Right now, I am standing on top of a parking garage in downtown Madison, the Government East parking garage, just a block away from the Capitol. As I look over the guardrail, right across Pinckney Street, I can see a construction site. There is a building going up. It is three stories of scaffolding, I-beams, and supports. The project is called the Judge Doyle Square Project. It is a city-led initiative to develop a two-block area of downtown Madison. Block number one is what I'm looking at. Block number two is actually going to be where I'm standing right now. The city's soon going to tear down this parking structure, which has long been in a state of decline. So here is why I'm talking about this with you right now from the top of this garage. The Judge Doyle Square project has been one of the biggest ongoing stories in Madison ever since people began talking about it almost a decade ago. It is a project that has seen a lot of fits and starts. There has been drama, there has been a lawsuit, and there's been a lot of heated debate about this amongst policymakers and the Madison public alike. So today on the Madsplainers, we're going to explain to you why this has been such a hot topic, what exactly this project is. It's time to Madsplain Judge Doyle Square. I'm Eric Lawrenson. I report about culture and technology for the Cap Times. I'm Abby Becker. I cover city and county government. And I'm Lisa Speckard-Pasca. I'm the Metro Reporter. And this is the Mad Splainers. Hello, everyone. We're back in the saddle again. Mad Splainers in the house. This is the podcast all about local government and civic affairs here in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, it's been a minute, but tell you what, we've got a club banger of an episode for you. We write about the Judge Doyle Square project a lot here at the Cap Times, and we've been writing about it a lot for years. It has been a long time in the making. Oh, and that it looks like it will never end. Yeah. This project came before us and it will likely continue on after us. <laughs> after we are gone. So, we are merely a part of this project's life <laughs> at this point in time. Well, what is it though? Let's start there. <laughs> Abby, what, what the heck is this thing that we keep on writing about and talking yeah. about and pulling our hair out over? So this project is a major downtown redevelopment project that encompasses two blocks. Um, these blocks are numbered. So one of them is block 88. Uh, this is the block that also includes the Madison Municipal Building. Second block is block 105. And that block currently holds the Government East Garage, which is old and crumbling and, and needs to be replaced. Um, so what will happen, as the plans currently state, is that the city is developing Block 88, and Block 88 will be the site of a new underground municipal parking garage to replace the old Government East, which will eventually be demolished. Above the underground parking will be something that is called a podium, which is three stories um, of sort of a structural slab that includes commercial and retail space. Um, the city is also in the process of seeking a developer to build housing above that podium. Um, and there's currently three developers that they're looking at, and the finance committee will be making a recommendation, is expected to make a recommendation this upcoming Monday. So that's all Block 88. That's all city stuff. That's the 
public portion of the project. So moving down to block 105, this is the private portion of the project. Um, so the city in 2016 entered into a development agreement with Beitler Real Estate Services. This is a developer out of Chicago. And currently they are, um, they have plans to build a hotel. This hotel is meant to serve the needs of Monona Terrace. They also have plans to build in a second structure an apartment complex, so some more housing there as well. So long story short, this is a very big and multifaceted project that we're talking about here. Buildings get built all the time in Madison, though. Like, why are we talking about this one specifically? Why has it gotten so much attention? And why have we been talking about it for so long, too? Yeah, so one reason why we're talking about it is because it is such a big project and it's right in the heart of downtown. It's also on city-owned property, um, so it's taken up a lot of the city's time and resources as we will detail um, through a timeline later. Uh, It's taking some crumbling infrastructure. We talked about that parking garage and it's going to bring something new and exciting. So we talked with a man called George Austin about this project as well. Austin is Judge Doyle Square's project manager. For a long time, he worked in the city's planning division. If you haven't heard of Austin, he is actually quite an influential figure and has had a profound role in Madison's cityscape. I um, led the development of the Monona Terrace in the 90s, and after that uh, left and joined uh, uh, Jerry and Pleasant uh, Frouchy to uh, develop the Overture Center for the Arts. And then Worked with UW and uh, worked as the uh, project director for the Wisconsin Alumni Research Foundation to uh, develop the Wisconsin Institutes for Discovery. So George talked to us about the importance of the Judge Doyle Square project for the city. A lot of it had to do with developing this important chunk of downtown that he described as... I like to call it the hole in the donut. You've got, you've got a, you know, the South Square along the Capitol Square. You've got the excitement along King Street. You've got the, you know, the government buildings that march down MLK toward Monona Terrace. Then you have Monona Terrace in the south. And by filling this hole in the donut with tax-producing vitality, all of it which will produce property taxes, room taxes, sales taxes, and um, uh, you know, more excitement to our wonderful central business district. I think those are pretty powerful and um, exciting goals. It's basically you're taking some underutilized, non-tax generating property and bringing something new and exciting and useful to um, the space. So on Block 88, it used to be just like a parking lot and the back of the municipal building entrance. The only revenue coming from these uh, these two blocks was um, from the parking garage, which is, is valuable. But um, as George Austin and many others repeatedly say, there's so much more opportunity on these two blocks. Yeah. So so that's why the property itself is kind of important. But also, <laughs> we're talking about it now because the story of how we got to where we are now is full of drama, has been constantly changing. There's been uh, multiple development proposals that have fallen through, um, lawsuits even. So, and we'll uh, get in get into that here shortly, but we're mostly explaining it to you because it's difficult to explain. Yeah. If any of you who are like new to hearing about this project got a little bit confused when we were talking about how old this project is, but yet the city council is still considering proposals for what's going to be there, that's an indicator of how... 
it's very much in development and how many question marks there still are about what exactly this is going to look like. And what as, it's be. as Abby likes to say, this project never lets you forget how complicated it is. It never does. <laughs> never does. I One thing I wanted to highlight from George Austin, he pointed out that this project is, is quite lengthy, you know, for a variety of reasons, but it has also, you know, been a part of three mayoral administrations. And so um, it sort of has this staying quality, which many people agree that this continues to be an important project and are continuing to work on it. He also brought up the point that it could be worse. There are other civic projects that have taken, like, multiple decades to Monona come to Terrace. The Monona Terrace. <laughs> Monona Terrace, subject to five separate lawsuits compared to oh a poultry one. Yeah. Just like what? peanuts, right? <laughs> <laughs> but even so, he said that this one was the most complicated. You know, you're always faced with challenges. Uh, in this particular case, it just getting to the finish line has been so vexing. And so you create a path, and that pathway... You know, there's obstacles that are thrown up, and you've got to find what's that next pathway. And uh, so you don't usually go through something like this two and three times. Mm. And that's what we've done here with different with different partners. And um, so that makes it complex. Let's get into why. Yeah, let's dive into that complexity. Let's get into the, here we the go. Buckle up. history. Okay, so we're starting back, way back in 2008. Um, so originally um, under Mayor Dave Cheslevich, um, there was this kind of early ideas. They were thinking there would maybe be a nearby train station, maybe put the public market there. Um, so the city's downtown plan in 2012 kind of laid out some of the values and things they wanted to see. That did include more hotel rooms for the terrace, um, wanting to replace that garage, making a bike center, which is basically uh, something you can see in some cities like I think George Austin mentioned Portland, where you can have lockers and store your bike there. You could get bike service. Bike and I think service. it'd be a great like stop if you're commuting into downtown and need yeah. to like store things. Yeah, I think the spirit of the idea of if like Madison is such a big bike city, let's have like a central yeah, prove hub it, kind Madison. of repping that Are you a big bike yeah, city? exactly. <laughs> we got to flex a little bit. <laughs> so there are just some of those things that they wanted to see. Um, there was an initial proposal uh, in 2000. 13, the city asked for proposals, and then this partnership of a couple different firms, they put together a proposal for a convention-style hotel. Uh, The city, though, shot it down because it it was asking for a lot of public financing, and city council didn't think it merited that much. Bringing us to the next iteration of development. Chapter 2. Flash forward to 2015, the same um, partnership between those developers that threw together that initial proposal, came back with something that got a lot of policymakers in town very excited. It was a a proposal for development that most crucially included 250,000 square feet of office space for exact sciences. Exact sciences, for those who don't know, is a public corporation here in Madison. They're a biotechnology company. They are currently making ColoGuard. It's a screening test for colorectal cancer. And uh, back in 2015, and as they are today, they were a rapidly growing company that kind of represented a lot of excitement and a lot of growth around this biotechnology cluster in Madison. And long story short, people were really pumped about the idea of a company like that making a home not just out at the outskirts of town or whatever, but in the thick of it in downtown That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool idea. It was really cool. And basically that idea got fast-tracked. Um, it got approved. Woohoo! Everything was looking great. Then fall of 2015 rolls around and something happens to Exact Sciences. 
the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force came out with this updated list of approved screening tests for colorectal cancer, Cologuard got listed as an alternative test. It got downgraded. And eventually, like a months in the future, this is going to get corrected. Exact Sciences is going to be back on track. But Exact Sciences stocks plunged and suddenly... Things were not looking so hot for this um, much of a ballyhooed company. And within weeks, Exact Sciences uh, held a press conference saying that they were backing out. George Austin said it was possibly the biggest bummer for him <laughs> over this past <laughs> well, I think decade. One of the saddest of days in the project, yeah. The most disappointing day of uh, my involvement in the project was the day Exact Sciences um, dropped out because um, that we all thought was a game changer on a number of levels, particularly bringing a, a major biotech business to the downtown as its headquarters. In many respects, I think the situation maybe was fortuitous for exact sciences because they've grown faster than people would have thought and, and they would have outgrown quite quickly what was being proposed uh, in the Judge Doe block. Back to square one, after the exact sciences situation happened, uh, the city reissued an, an RFP for the project and ultimately selected Beitler Real Estate Services, again, developer out of Chicago, for this project. Entered into a development agreement in 2016. Um, so I'm going to just kind of walk us through the next couple of years and give you the major highlights here. Um, so that agreement is signed in 2016. The next major highlight is when Beitler um, informs the city that part of the project that it needs to work on is getting really expensive and it, um, you know, is going to go over budget for them. So that was a big point of concern. Um, And so the city ultimately ended up approving $11 million to build that podium we were talking about. Which originally Beitler was going to build. Correct. This is important to have because um, many proponents of this were saying, well, we need, the city needs this because it's going to provide this platform here and and preserve a viable development opportunity in the future. So the city does this, city yeah. council approves it. No big deal, seemingly for us in the public. Just like, okay, the city's building something else that they weren't originally going to, but whatever. Um, Well, this then prompted um, a lawsuit from Beitler Real Estate. So Beitler files a lawsuit. (laughs) Which did come, which did, you know, come as a surprise to the city. George Austin said that, you know, it was surprising. Uh, When you have a partner and you're uh, marching forward and and we've been working together well for a year to um, go off the rails... Uh, is disappointing, and uh, it has really created uh, um, friction that um, we've tried to um, deal with, but nevertheless exists as we continue to move forward. And that came as a surprise, right, the lawsuit? Yes, it was a total surprise. As the city attorney described it, it was curious. Now, real estate development is very complicated, and you know lawsuits do happen. But you know, again, people were um, you know surprised by this. Ultimately, Beitler does drop the lawsuit, and you know the city and Beitler um, you know attempt to move forward. And basically, the lawsuit was saying, "Hey, you took this part of the development away from us, right?" "Quote unilaterally seized." Is the and the city was like, "We thought you wanted us to." It was yeah. very confusing. And then Beitler, was, Beitler literally said, "Like, oh, we learned that you did this through reading the paper." Yeah, were, that's how like shocked apparently they. were were about this happening. It was very confusing was for everybody involved. Flat. Mostly yes, for flat. us trying to write about it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so after the lawsuit is dropped, basically after a lot of negotiations, um, the city ends up moving forward with this plan where the city would pay Beitler $700,000 in exchange for the development rights essentially to Block 88. 
This in so turn, now Byler's doing nothing on block 88. So Only correct. 105. Yep. So that's how the two blocks sort of got split into totally private and totally public. Um, so this is then what leads the city to um, issue another RFP for a developer for the Block 88 site. As a part of that, um, they, the RFP stated that the city wants an element of workforce housing, affordable housing at this site. So that was a big priority there. That is currently what is sort of um, up in the air for Block 88. Like I said earlier, the Finance Committee is poised to make a recommendation on you know, one of three developers. Um, as the city team has recommended a proposal from Stonehouse Development. Um, and so, again, the Finance Committee will be considering that. And then ultimately, the city council will need to sign off on, on a developer. So that's kind of where Block 88 is at in the moment. But what about Block 105? So Block 105. So recently, Beitler issued something called Notices of Default. This is the second round of Notices of Default. This also happened um, earlier this year. They were just claiming that the city, you know, was not living up to its portion of the development agreement. This also, this pattern of behavior is um, getting frustrating for people in the city um, because the city is saying, look, we're doing everything possible to help this project move forward. For example, um, Byler had to file a, what is called a major alteration request because in the hotel, um, they're working with um, embassy suites. And so as a requirement of the hotelier that they're working with, they want a swimming pool. Well, that wasn't in the original plan. So Byler has to say to the city, we are formally applying to make this major change. And that was instead of parking at that site. Byler still want a valet parking. And so the city agreed to, to lease I believe it's 40 parking spaces to Beitler for that valet parking. So, I mean, so there are elements of this project that are moving forward, but, you know, it's kind of like take a couple steps forward and then you move back a little bit. Yeah, I think there definitely is a palpable sense of frustration among stakeholders in this project with the city. I mean, certainly one thing we asked George about was this idea of project fatigue, which are two words that have come up again and again over the course of, you know, our reporting on this thing. Being fatigued doesn't mean that you... You don't you stop or that you uh, you know you 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 get sick <laughs> you, you can't recover from it but I mean anytime you've set a pathway there's momentum and then an unexpected major event occurs um, that that takes its toll and I think that's why the Beitler project was appealing in April of 2016 because it appeared to be a good pathway to alleviate that fatigue and move forward toward a sex, successful development um, and I think that uh, the lawsuits are another, you know, kick to the gut. And I think that does create fatigue. But what are city officials saying at this point, Abby? So I talked with Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway uh, the other day. And so, I mean, she inherited this project in her administration. Um, and, you know, she told me that, you know, she is has low confidence right now. Um, she would like to be proved wrong and she would like for this all to move forward, for these plans to come to fruition. And she's specifically talking about 105, right? That is correct. Yeah. Yes. The, with the whole, the Beitler situation. She did not say she the... was pleased with what was going on, you know, on Block 88, felt that the city has three very strong proposals to choose from for that, again, that workforce housing component component on Block 88. But but overall, is frustrated with, um, you know, what 
with with how Byler and the city, you know, have been been interacting. I also talked with Alder Mike Verveer, um, and he's the representative for District Four, so that's the downtown area. He says his confidence, um, you know, again for for Block 105, sort of varies week to week, which you know isn't really great, you know, for a project. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he he did he did say he's very committed, like many others in the city, very committed to this project and getting it to work. But again, just you know, underscored the frustration. So, okay, worst case scenario, something happens with Beitler, they pull out, and then Block 105, we have no idea what's happening there. What what happens then? Right, so hypothetically, in that worst case scenario, really the city is on target to open that new garage in October. So worst case, the city would have a brand new garage, which was, again, one of the major goals of the project from the very beginning. Um, and yay. The, Yeah, so, so that, yay. And also... When the garage does open, this will be the first completed portion of the major Judge Doyle Square project. We'll have so something. We'll have something, right? <laughs> Show for all of this. Um, but again, back to Lisa's, you know, worst case hypothetical scenario. We'll have the city will have the garage. Um, the city will also have two prime developable sites. Again, in the worst case, the things that the city's working on, let's say they don't work out. Well, I'm sure other people, other developers in town or elsewhere we'll see that as a prime opportunity to come in and, and yeah. offer something so at, at one point during one roadblock i can't even remember which one i think it was the bitler when they first were suing the city abby and i talked to a couple different people saying i mean is this project going to happen ever and a lot of a lot of people said you know what it's going to happen with or without bitler like the city really wants to get this done eventually yeah it'll happen i think there's you can almost uh, describe it as like a short to medium term sense of frustration but a long term sense of optimism dare i say yeah. like people acknowledge like we're going to get this done even if <laughs> it there's might be, be slow it might be yeah. painful <laughs> but it'll get done let's say let's do it a what if scenario so let's say uh, we go through the block 88 RFP, and um, we can't get to a successful outcome, meaning we can't negotiate a development agreement with any of the proposers. Uh, let's say that for whatever reason, the Beitlers don't proceed um, with the, the hotel. Let's say those things happen, and I sure hope they don't, and I don't expect them to, but if they did, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to see maybe a pause and say, we've, we've accomplished phase one of the Judge Doyle project successfully. We've replaced the government east ramp, we've preserved the development and actually created shovel-ready sites on Block 88 and the air rights and on Block 105. And as the market tells us is the right time, we can go back and finish creating that tax-producing assets that this project set out to do. Question, Abby, can you say the word developable? <laughs> developable five times fast for me? Developable, 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 oh, developable. Really so hey, that was actually really right? easy. Dang, I thought I was going to get you. Radio career, here I come. <laughs> Sign me up, NPR. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's Mad Splainers about Judge Doyle Square. We took a little break, as you could tell, after the election, but we are back in the saddle, so stay tuned for more episodes coming right up. You can be sure to subscribe to The Mad Splainers on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, anywhere else that you find your podcasts. Also, we'd love it if you'd rate us or leave a review. It's always helpful feedback for us to have. 
Also, do be sure to check out our other shows. The Corner Table, our food and drink show, is doing something really cool right now. It's publishing a mini-series called Making a Restaurant, in which Lindsay Christians, the host, talks to various people about what exactly it takes to get an idea for a restaurant from concept to reality. Also, be sure to check out Wedge Issues, the Cap Time show about state politics. All right, I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks again for listening. Bye.